You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying clean, simple eats because they're just that clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20. 20% off your first order. Hi, I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com and join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 114, Should My Kid Take a Gap Year? We talk a lot about the college process, Lisa, because it's so anxiety-riddled. We've had authors Jeff Zelenko and Ron Lieber on, but it's interesting to hear everyone's thoughts on a gap year. It's true, right? So we're at the point right now where kids and families have a lot of information. They know largely probably where they got in. They may know where they didn't get in. And they're trying to sort that out. They also are probably waiting on financial information. Many families are trying to figure out what schools are offering in terms of support. So this is a big decision-making time. And one of the things that folds into that can be questions about whether or not it makes sense to go to college right after high school. And that's the letter we got from a parent. I want to read it to you. Dear Dr. Lisa, I love your podcast and regularly share episodes with my friends and networks. You recently talked about the price of college, and I followed it up by listening to Ron Lieber's book. As a follow-up question, can you talk more about a gap year? Is it a good thing? I'm not sure my 16-year-old junior has enough motivation, drive, commitment to be as successful as he could in college, especially when we're looking at $10,000 a year. I like the idea of a gap year so he can get a bit of growth and maturity. When I was going to college in the 1990s, this wasn't a thing I even heard of. So where do we start getting information? Are gap years a good investment? How do we help him plan so it's not a year of watching Netflix and playing video games? Thank you again for your podcast. It's really helped me think about parenting teens during post-pandemic in a whole new way, joyfully. Well, um, there's a lot here. 
First off, yeah. how do you know, Lisa, if it's a good thing for your kid to take a gap year? Because as a parent, I worry, oh my gosh, you give them a gap year, they're never going to come back. That's the worry, right? That's that's usually the anxiety that gets in parents' way. Um, and what I would say, honestly, Rena, if you're looking at a senior right now with your question of, should my kid take a gap year? My hunch is the answer is probably yes, right? If the question is even on your mind, if there's something going on developmentally, like I think you want to keep that question in the mix. And, and we'll come back to how you really evaluate it. It's interesting. This boy's a junior. He's 16. And one of the things I'm sure I've said before on this podcast is that for me, teen years are like dog years in a way that like <laughs> one year of life for us is like seven years of life for them. And so I would probably not know for sure or not be too confident in decision-making around a 16-year-old because I have seen 16-year-olds who were very like bluntly kind of immature, not holding it together, not going to class, not managing themselves well. And then something shifts in them and something inspires them and they suddenly become very, very serious students and they get down to business. And the kid who I'm looking at 17 is almost unrecognizable from the kid I knew at 16. So I would say I love that this parent is actually way out in front of this and starting to ask the question. And what I would say, really at any point, but especially if you have a junior where this is coming up, I think the parent should play the cards face up at home and say, buddy, I love you. And I see here you are 16, you got one more year of high school. I just want you to know <laughs> if you're still rolling like this next year where you are not taking full responsibility for your work or for yourself, you're not going right on to college. Like, let's just be clear about that. And what I will tell you is the beauty of giving the kid the heads up at that distance, though you are no in no way obliged to send a kid to college this fall if you don't feel good about it right now. But the beauty of giving the kid that kind of runway is that, number one, they have a lot of warning, right? So if it doesn't pan out for them to go with their cohort, it's not like you just surprise them with it. The other is, I have seen a lot of kids where they are like, are you kidding me? Like, there is no way I am not going with my cohort. And that that actually potentiates a lot of motivation. They suddenly grow up really fast because they're like, all right, I, I'm not risking the possibility that you guys are keeping me away from college when I think I'm going. Yeah. So I, I what I'm hearing from you is talk about this early, potentially, if this is something you want to put on the table. But how do you know if your child, if a gap year is really a good thing for your kid? So I will tell you, Rena, I'm generally biased towards gap years. Like I want to, I want to actually be forthcoming and just say, if it's something a parent is weighing, I think there's something interesting about the fact that it's even on the parent's mind and I would take it pretty seriously. I would also say that post pandemic, I am more mm -hmm. supportive of gap years because one of the things I've heard, you know, I talk, I get to be with educators and talk to educators all the time. I have heard from high school college counselors who stay in good touch with college colleges and you know college admissions officers say things like you know what they really needed another year right or they really like they weren't really ready for college like that they it would have helped them to grow up one more year before they went mm. and so i think that you know we're in an extraordinarily unusual point in time where every teenager out there at some point in their education had you know a couple years or a year or so in a ditch of the pandemic. And so as biased as I was towards gap years prior to the pandemic, now even more so, I'm like, if you have questions about whether your kid's maturity is what it needs to be for college to be a good, safe, and fiscally sound idea for them, 
mm. consider a gap year. So is is it fair to say that a gap year is really for kids who you think need a little more maturity? Could there be a reason where a child might be able to go to France and learn painting or something? Is there Are there other factors that could play in besides lack of maturity? It's a great question. Um, certainly, I mean, some kids have like really enterprising things going on and they need to kind of keep going with it. I think that there are some very wise and insightful kids who are like, you know what, I just, I want to go do this other thing first and I'm going to college. Like, I don't really doubt that. And this feels like the window where I can make that happen without disrupting college. Um, but I would say overwhelmingly, it's usually a question about college readiness. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's something, you know, that we want to think about and weigh very carefully. And I'll tell you, Rena, it's funny, like to watch the through lines that start to emerge across our episodes. A lot of times for me, it's a bit about considering the alternatives. And I'll tell you exactly what I mean. I have seen parents have real questions about whether or not their kid is ready for college. And and often it comes up around stuff like they're not turning in their work in a consistent way, or they're partying really hard and they're, you know, drinking a lot and they're pushing it on the risky behavior. And parents are anxious, rightly anxious about how this is going to play out in college. When it goes off course, And what I mean by that is a kid where there were questions in the spring of their senior year about readiness and everybody kind of white knuckles and sends them to college anyway. And then it doesn't go well, right? And this happens all the time, right? Where they're not going to class or they're getting in trouble around substances or, you know, the the weekend culture or they're, you know, the college has questions about their safety when that kid is home in October, mm-hmm. right? Because that can happen. Either the college says, you got to go home or we're kicking you out or we're not giving you a lot of choices. You got to go pull it together and come back or you're on academic probation. I mean, this, this can go down in a lot of ways. October is awful in that scenario because the kids' options are suddenly really, really limited. Mm. So... I want to talk a little bit, you know, especially with this pandemic, we have seen, you know, our children with us all the time, you know, especially if you have children in high school who went through this pandemic, it's really hard because they should have had moments of independence to break away. And they were sheltered with us as we were all kind of sheltered in place for some time. I want to talk a little bit, though, about the upsides. We know um, taking a gap year, how could it be good for them? Well, I think you're really, it's what you're saying, right? I mean, that it's a little bit of practicing independence, especially if they leave and go somewhere or they go do something that requires far more independence, you know, than couch surfing, like this mom is worried this kid might do, which we'll come to. But if we ask them to go do something independent, it's almost like, um, it's like a trial run Mm. without the potential downside of if the kid blows it, now they're being sent home by a college. And now this is the beginning of their college record that is still going to follow them everywhere. And I think this is this is a huge important point for people to know. If your kid gets sent home with these at the end of the first semester, they cannot apply to another college without revealing those grades. Wait, so I thought, okay, you don't do well in a college. Let's say you go to some college, it's a little bit above and even if you flunk out or something, you're saying that you can't apply to another? Like there's no one else who'll take you? No, you have to show them what you did. So they'll take you, maybe. 
but you got to show But it's not like you hit the reset button. Right. They will say, send us all of your high school transcripts and any college transcripts you have. So this is what I mean by like, if a parent is on the fence about this, yes. when it goes sideways, it goes so sideways. And then like, I'm just going to play this out right now because I have seen this and I just don't think that people know how tricky this becomes. Mm-hmm. So often the way this plays out when it goes badly is a kid goes to college, it doesn't go well for any variety of reasons, kid comes on home either mid-semester or at the end of the semester with grades that are going to be like an albatross, Mm -hmm. right, that they have to then deal with for a long time. And then they often will enroll, and I have, I think this is great in a lot of ways, in a local college, a community college, just to take some classes, to keep things going, to figure out some structure for their day. And then they often try to transfer or go back to the school they were at or go to a different school if the school they were at won't have them back, which will sometimes happen. It's not that often, but it will sometimes happen. And what they are often stunned to discover is how few of those credits actually even transfer. Because the other interesting variable in this, which I've learned from watching people learn it the hard way, Colleges don't love taking other colleges' credits, right? Because oh, right. it's first of all, there's the they can make the educational argument, but it's often the financial argument. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to they want give you to pay. away. Yeah. <laughs> they want you to pay. Yeah. And so I have seen these poor earnest kids who like they just shouldn't have gone when they've gone, dragging around the aftermath of this for years and taking classes that they think like, okay, well, at least I'm not losing ground. They don't know that they're not losing ground. Those classes may or may not transfer, mm. and that doesn't mean they're not without value, but the, you can hear me saying, like, it gets really messy if yeah. the kid is not college ready. Right. Lisa, I want to pause and take a quick break, but I want to also talk to you about that concern of couch surfing, because the mom in me, the Indian mom in me is just like, no, 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 don't get off the train. Keep going. Keep going. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. EarthBreeze.com slash Ask Lisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. 
For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader, and in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up, and I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy-duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin, you have to hand wash some, you can only wash in this type of detergent, and I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. So we're talking about whether you should take a gap year. Um, are there any other downsides that you worry about, Lisa? Well, I do think if we just see it from the parent's perspective, because we're going to also have to think about like, where's this kid with all of this? But if we see it from the parent's perspective, I think it's you know very much the one that you articulated, which is the parent is like, what are you going to do for the year? Yeah. <laughs> like, how's yeah. the time going to be yeah. filled? And and I this letter writer started by asking like where do you get information or where do you find this, and it turns out if you hop on Amazon or anywhere like if you do a quick search there are several solid looking books about how to make the most of a gap year mm. so it can be like you get a job or you go volunteer you know as part of your religious community in you know some other part of the world where you're taking care of other people or in your own community where you're taking care of other people. Um, so I think that it should be absolutely understood that the year not going to college will not be a year of, you know, potato chips and Fortnite, right? I mean, that's not what <laughs> right, that's not what's right. happening. Um, so do you suggest, yeah. Lisa, doing like some sort of a saying, okay, you're going to have to go study abroad and be in a program. But if you're concerned that they couldn't function by themselves in college, like is really sending them off to some program the smart thing to do? Well, probably not, right? I mean, I think that that's probably how you're going to measure what the options are, right? Which is maybe it's a kid. I can see, let me play it a couple of ways. So maybe it's a kid who you actually have real anxieties about their ability to be independent, to move away yes. from home. Because they're, like you said, there's a lot of kids who are very anxious about this. So for that kid, you might create a low stakes scenario where they do leave home, but if it doesn't go well, they're not dragging a whole bunch of college aftermath home with them, right? So right, maybe right. they do go elsewhere and spend a year making sure they can be away from home without having it be a problem. Whereas if you have a kid where you're like, dude, you are partying in an out of control way. This is scary. We are not putting you on a college campus where you can keep this up. I yeah. think that is a kid where you're like, you're here, you're getting a job, right? <laughs> like, you know, we're shutting this down. And one of the things thinking about Ron Lieber's book, which was mentioned in this letter, one of the things that's in that book, and it's it's the price you pay for college, and it's how to think about the cost of college, is he talks about families where they require their kid to pay the first semester or maybe the entire first year of college. And so 
if you have a kid where you're like, your maturity is not there and I am not about to put my money on the table for you to go, I think you could say to that kid, okay, not only are you not going, you're going to stay here and work and we're going to house you for free and feed you for free and you're paying for your first semester when you do go, right? Then that, I mean, I appreciate like that's really putting the screws to the kid, but I will also say desperate times, desperate measures. If you have a kid who is skywriting that they are Mm going to go to college and it's going to be way too much fun and way too much aftermath, that's what screws are for, right? That's when we really do bring out the more um, rigid response. How does this affect college? Like this is uh, a high school junior. By this time, you're sort of narrowing down, visiting colleges, knowing what you want to do. Maybe you have a conversation your junior year saying, look, if you don't buckle down, get these grades up, show me some responsibility, you're not going. But how does this affect in terms of when you apply for colleges, to colleges? So what's quite beautiful is you don't have to decide on a gap year until after you've been admitted to a college. So you, what can I would, you can defer. So what I would generally advise is that families make full use of their high school's college counseling program, right? So if you're like, dude, you're taking a gap year, that doesn't mean don't apply. It really can mean do the process, go through it, make good use of this college counselor who knows you, make good use of the teachers who are teaching you right now who can write for you. And then we'll see how it, we'll see if you're going. So I would say, go ahead and use those things. Now, Rena, what's interesting is Gap years can be wildly maturing for kids, can really help kids grow in really quite um, compelling ways. And again, back to that, you know, dog years thing, like they gain seven years (laughs) of development, like in a year. (laughs) And I will tell you, actually, I remember kids who came to college in my cohort who had taken gap years. And at first I was like, oh my God, you are the bravest person I know. Like I would never in a million years get off the conveyor belt. Like I am such a little, you know, little follower. And then I also remember that they felt to me like adults. Like that they carried Mm. themselves. I have very vivid memories. Yeah, of being like, oh, you guys are like grown-ups. Like the rest of us are just rolling over here from high school. Like you guys have like lived in the world. So even I was 17 when I went to college and I I have such a vivid memory of them seeming so much older. Okay, so where I'm going with this is say a kid like doesn't have a great high school record or has just made a lot of mistakes and that's what they're applying to college on. So they go through the process in their high school and they don't end up with options that are what they really want. What I would want people to know is, okay, say that kid spends a year learning and growing, contributing to the world, making money, any variety of things. That kid can go back usually to their own high school and ask for help reapplying to other places. Mm. So most high schools are like, you're yours, you know, we'll, we'll care for you It doesn't all have to be limited to your senior year. And it may be that a kid who can really show like they did something important or interesting or they grew up a whole lot may be able to apply to places and get in that they couldn't have gotten in based on what they did in high school. So just to be clear, if you apply your senior year, choose to take a gap year, you can apply in your gap year again? Yeah, you can apply. Yeah, absolutely. You mean to Um, new colleges? To new colleges. And I'm sure there are parameters that need to be considered in terms of if you've already told another college you're coming and, Mm -hmm. you know, like you Mm -hmm. you have to play by the rules. But um, there are ways I think that families might see this as a chance and kids might see this as a chance to expand their options. So since we are in a totally 
different field post-COVID now. There's so many other factors to consider. What if the kid doesn't want to take a gap year, wants to go with their cohort, but the parents know in their gut, this kid is just not going to cut it in college. How do you reconcile that? So I think right, this is a really interesting question because like the letter writer is like, I'm not sure that my kid's ready to go, but it's not the kid who's saying, eh, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, right. it's hard for kids sometimes to feel like they're going to get off that conveyor belt or they're not going to do what their whole cohort is doing, right? It's, it's much more, they're kind of caught in the wave of what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So what I would say to parents, and this is an imperfect answer and I know it, Set extremely clear parameters for what your kid needs to show you in order to be able to go to college. And set a date by which they need to show this. Like, don't make it August 20th, right? (laughs) Where you're like, all right, you seem to have cleared the bar, you can go. So I think if a parent is starting to have concerns, they should bring them up when they have them, because that will in and of itself often spark quite impressive developmental strides. Mm But then if the kid is just not getting with it, not getting on it, I think that it would be helpful for a parent to say, look, I know you say you want to go. We want you to be able to go, but you are basically, you know, with every, all this behavior, and we'll come back to the specifics, you're telling us you're not ready, right? College is, requires that you manage yourself well, and you are giving us like tons and tons of data that you are not managing yourself well. So here's what we need to see happen between now and June 20th, right? For us to green light, for us to green light. Mm -hmm. We need you to, and then, you know, come up with the list, like call when you say you're going to call, walk in the door when you say you're going to walk in the door, hand in your stuff, right? Not, you know, like whatever it is that the parent feels is good evidence that the kid is pulling it together and taking things seriously. And I think it could also be, and we need you to not, you can't come home drunk. You can't come, you know, like you can't do these things. These are the rules. And then the kid can make their choices with their own behavior, but it may need to get very specific and very granular. And what makes this highly imperfect is the kid can do all the right things and still go to college and blow it, right? That can Mm -hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. You can also say, to even get a yes from us, we need to see all of this by June 30th. And to be clear, if any of these other things happens in, in July or August, like we're still pulling the plug, right? I mean, you can really play it out and no one wants to be in this position. But let me say again, <laughs> sending a kid who is not ready, the ramifications are far more vast than I think any family appreciates until it happens. So just to keep that in mind, because I didn't even think about if you get if you're getting D's or F's, how difficult to transfer out somewhere else. I mean, it just didn't even register in my, in my head. What are the other things you can tell your child, at, you know, if they're not on track to go to college about to make them aware? Because I think often they just aren't aware of until you're actually in that situation. You know. It's interesting, Rena. For a long time, I taught at the University of Michigan. I got my graduate degree there, and I was an undergraduate. I was a TA, a graduate student teacher, and then I was a professor there for a little while, like an adjunct. And so I cared for a lot of college students because, like, in some ways, it's funny. Like, college students talk to their psych professors. You know, I think that there's something. (laughs) So I, I cared for a lot of students in my office hours, and often cared for students when they had real questions about whether they should leave school. And the things. I would say to them, there were two things I'd always say. I would say, it makes no sense in the world that everyone is magically ready for college at 18. Like, 
it just doesn't work like that. Like, there, mm-hmm. why would it be that every kid somehow they turn 18 and then like a switch flips and they're ready for college? And so I think in terms of what to say to a kid is, you know, you can be 18. That doesn't mean you're ready, right? Why would everybody be ready at the same time? And then the other thing I would say to kids as they were thinking about whether it was time to maybe step back, or often there'd be like a crisis and they're trying to do college and deal with the crisis, is I would say, the college is going nowhere. We are here. Mm. You only get four years here. Why don't you spend your time here when you can really make the most of what we have to offer you? So why don't you work with your clock so that you make best use of the resources of this school. Great advice. And I guess what I'm taking away from this podcast is almost like two different tracks because, you know, I think we can't underestimate or talk enough about sort of the post-COVID world that we live in. If you have a child who excels and does really well in Spanish and, and is organized and a great student and maybe wants to take that year to go do that, that that could also be a conversation equally as you listening to your gut if your child is not on track to go to college. Absolutely. I mean, there can be very mature kids who say, I don't feel college ready. And if your kid is saying that, I would take it very seriously. Even if they're a good student. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it really goes back to, I just remember my office at Michigan and the conversations where I'd have, which is, you know, college is here. Like you should be here when you can really make the most of what we can do for you. Right. That's, you know, I just, like I said, the South Asian mom in me is like, don't get off that train. Keep going, keep going. Cause I don't want you to, to not go to college eventually, but you're saying that there could be some great value and it's really important to have this discussion. If you feel like your child might not be ready. I think there is. And just to visit this for one more minute, Okay, so what if your kid doesn't go back to college? Mm. Did your kid need to go to college, right? I think that we Whoa. can have a default, right, of... I, I think that's a whole other podcast. It's a whole do, other Lisa. podcast, but I, I just want to like, so we'll, I'll put a pin in it, but mm. I just want to say, if a parent is so scared that the only way to get the co- kid to college is to actually jam them in on the conveyor belt, I think there's a bigger conversation to be had. Mm. Yeah, I think I think we've got to do that podcast about should your kid go to college? That yep. wow, that's opened up a whole new train of thought. Well, um, you got me thinking about this quite a bit, and I'm feeling for those parents because I, I just you made me realize several podcasts ago about what it's been like for high school students and even college students, you know, who might not have had that independence coming back home, and that that growth and development is really important. Absolutely. So, what do you have for us for parenting to go? So, for parenting to go. What I want us to focus on is the fact that graduating from high school and being college ready are two different things, and they sometimes get confused with each other. So graduating from high school, you basically have to not flunk out, not get kicked out. Lots of kids can do that. College readiness, you are mature enough to take good care of yourself, to take full responsibility for your own day and how you spend your time to meet your responsibilities without an adult supervising you, that may not be in place even with a kid who has graduated from high school. So we want to evaluate college readiness separately from the question of whether or not a kid has graduated from high school. I love that you get us thinking of topics that I think even talking with your girlfriends or your friends wouldn't have really come up because you're getting us to look at issues and situations that our our teens are going through that we need to process differently. So thank you for that. I love doing it. You certainly do. It shows. (laughs) 
And uh, next week, we're going to talk about how you should manage tension with your kids' grandparents. We're going to have special guest, Lauren Steinberg. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.